though I am. Um, we're in the book of Acts. We're in chapter 27. We're going to be in chapter 27, the whole chapter tonight. And it, I can break it down into three scenes. And the three scenes in this, in this um, um, ser- ser- sermon are sailing, storms, and shipwrecks. Okay, sailing, storms, and shipwrecks. So sailing is in, 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 in Acts chapter 27, verses 1 through 12. Now we see something. We're not going to read through all this because all we would do is sort of read this whole text. Not that that's bad to do, but I think God's got some things he wants me to share. And so we're going to skip a lot of the text. I encourage you, read it. If you don't have a, a Bible, see me and I will get it to, to you. But in Acts chapters uh, 27 verses 1 through 8, eight times it says the word we and twice it says the word us. Wow, that's crazy, isn't it? We should just pray and go home, right? Your life's okay. So, 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 you, so you're saying so? What's the point? So why why would I even share that? It says why what what does it mean if the text says we eight times and it says us twice? What does that tell us about that text right there? So somebody just shout it out if, if you got it. If what's that? It, it's not just him. Okay, so so Paul is not alone here. Good. What else? If I write, we went there and they, they took us into the hold. What am I saying? There were more than one. And who else was there besides Paul? Who can we say without a doubt was there? If he, he uses the words we and us. Luke. Something I've never really caught before. But Luke, 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 Luke is on this journey with Paul. He's not just writing about it. He's an eyewitness account to what is what everything we're going to read. And we're going to see some things that may not even paint Luke in, in, a, in a great light. But he still says, hey, I was here. This is what occurred to us, to we, to us. Now, and it says this. So they're going in here. I've got a map. Can you go and put that map, map up? Tristan, okay. This is a map, okay? This is present day what? This is Greece. Thank you. The boot is What? Italy, okay? This is what? Someone said it before? Turkey, very good. Turkey. This is Syria. It's Syria. Yeah, or you can say it's Syria if you're from Spain. Okay. So um and so so this is where he goes from at from verses one to twelve, he's on a boat and he goes from here all the way over to this city here called Fair Fair Haven. Now winter's about to approach and when it and when winter hits, the ships cannot sail because the winds are too fierce and it's too cold and they will not survive the trip. So they're going to find a place to sort of, they were trying to get there on time, but they couldn't. So they, 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 they're in this town and this, in verse 9, we're, we're going to read what occurs right here real quick. It says, verse 9, since much time had passed and the voyage was now dangerous because even the fast was already over. So sort of, it's just saying what time of year it was and how it was getting close to winter. Paul advised them saying, Sirs, I perceive that the voyage will be with injury and much loss, not only of the, the cargo and, uh, and the ship, but also of our lives. So Paul, a prisoner on the ship, tells the guy in charge, guys, I, I don't mean to interject, but can I tell you, um, this is not a good risk for us to go on because the, 
the, the time of year and the winds, were, the ship is not going to make it, and it's going to risk our lives and even the ship itself. And at that point, they say, ah, great, Paul. One guy says, oh, I think it's good. I think we can make it. There's always that one guy. If there's just this one guy go, yeah, we can do it, you, most of the time he's drunk or stoned, and you've got to run away from him, okay? But if he's not, he was a lot when he was younger, and it's affecting him now, okay? So I'm just saying that stuff will affect you. So, um, so it's bad. So uh, they say, hey, let's just keep on going. Now, Paul is a prisoner on the, the, the ship. Now, where is Paul going? I gave you a map. Where was he going? Rome. Why is he going to Rome? As a, as a slave, he's a prisoner of, of the ship. In Acts chapter 23, verse 11, it says this, The following night the Lord stood by, and this is when Paul is Im, imprisoned with, by Festus, stood by him and said, Take courage, for as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must te- testify also in Rome. So I want you to see this main point here. Paul is doing what he's supposed to be doing. The, the world's got a plan, and he's now he's imprisoned to do it. But God said, hey, I have a plan for you, Paul. As I've used you here, I'm going to use you there. And this is the means while I'm going to get you there. So Paul is, is sailing on this boat because it's God's plan for his life. So don't miss that truth. That's a very important truth. Now, we're going to read a, a, a big chunk of text right here, verse 13, probably to verse 26. And I'm going to ask you, just for this part, this is our main text, and we're really going to work through this a lot. We're just going to read it out loud. Um, uh, I'm going to read it out loud, and you will follow along. But if you'll stand with me, uh, and we do this in honor of God's holy and perfect word. And sometimes it's good to remind us, man, what we have here is the word of God. And so that's why this is just, we do this most every week. We'll take part of the text. We're going to stand for it just to remind us. This is God's word that we should hold in honor. So beginning in verse 13, this is, this is what it says. Now, when the south wind blew g- g- gently, sup- supposing that they had obtained their pur- pur- purpose, they weighed anchor and sailed along Crete close to the shore. But soon a temp- tempestuous wind, that's not good. That's what you saw. That's what just went through Port, 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 Puerto Rico. Um, today and this past day, and we need to be in prayer for them. This big wind called the Northeaster struck down from the land. And when the ship was caught and could not face the wind, we gave way to it and were driven along, running under the lee of a small island called called Kuda. We managed with difficulty to secure the ship's boat. After hoisting it up, they used supports to undergird the ship. Okay, so they've they have got a plan. They're going to go to this place called called Phoenicia, and they cannot get there. Uh, but they try to. The winds come off the land. This this big wind it drives them off course so much that they cannot control where they're going. And the seas are so rough that they're trying to to tie everything down on the ship. And they should throw ropes beneath the the ship. I don't know how they do this, but they do this beneath the ship and tie it up to help the whole of the ship the, so it doesn't get beaten and break apart. So things are, when, when you, you're on a boat and they start to do this, you better be praying hard at that point because that's not a very good sign. When they're like, it's not, the boat's not strong enough, we need to help it. So that's what it, they're, they're doing there in verse 17. 
Then it says, then they feared they would run aground on the Sirtis. They, they lowered the gear, and thus they, they were driven along. The sails, all that stuff, they lowered because it was being ripped apart. The mast, all that stuff they could take down, they took down, and they just had to go where the storm took them. That's what all, all that means. Since we were violently storm-tossed, they began the next day to jettison the car, 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 cargo. Not a good sign. And on the third day, they threw the ship's tack, tack, tackle overboard with their own hands. It's the things they used to, 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 to not drive the ship. What do you do? Steer it? Whatever you do with the ship. The important stuff, they're starting to chunk that overboard, lighten the ship up so it'll float better. And on the uh, then verse verse twenty, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. Since they had been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among them and said, "Men, you should have listened to 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 me, and not have set sail from Crete and incurred this injury and loss." I love this sort of a. About Paul, because Paul has a told you so. Hey, dummies, dum da dum dum. Okay, so he Paul is 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 human. Paul does great things, but in this moment, he's like, I told you this was going to happen, and it's just sort of he didn't have to do that, but he's sort of he's he's human. I don't know if it's the right thing to do, but he did it. He says in, the, in verse twenty two. He said, "Yet now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life life." Up. Among you, but only of the ship. For this night there stood before me an angel of the of the God to whom I belong and whom I wor- 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 worship. And he said, "Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be as." It would be exactly as I have told you, or I have been told. But we must run aground on some island. Let's pray, and we're going to continue with this text. Dear God, I thank you so much for your word tonight. God, just the chance just to hear about Paul and what, 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 what gave Paul courage in the midst of this, this, this trial and in the storm. And God, I think you, you have a truth that we need to hear tonight. There's so many students in this room that need to hear this. There's adults that need to hear this. And God, may we take your word uh, and, and use it when we leave here. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, everybody sit down. Now, now this was like a bad storm. Have you ever been in a boat in a bad storm before? Anybody? There's there's a few of you that have been. You know, I was. I remember when I was I was six sixteen. Um, uh, my dad uh, built docks for a living. About twenty five years, he owned a dock building business on the St. John's River. So I was the kid who, at eleven or twelve, they they would tie a rope around my 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 waist. I don't know why they did this. And I would have to climb up on like a, a boat lift, like a boat house that had been struck by like lightning and burned. It wasn't on fire still, don't worry. Uh, but I had to climb up there and see how safe it was for the rest of the crew. 
And three times I fell all the way down into the water. No one's holding on to the rope. I really don't. I guess that's to find my, 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 my body if I didn't come back up. I really don't know what the whole point of that was. Um, but that was sort of my job. So I, I, I grew up working with my dad just on the, the water. And one day, I'm 16, and uh, my, my, I get a call, um, or I'm at home, I think, and uh, my dad, mom says, hey, your, your father, and she's white when she's, I mean, just my, well, my mom's white, but she's, she's, <laughs> she's white when she says this to me. She says, your, fa- your father's taking the barge from Riverside down to Doctor's Lake. And there's a huge storm, and I'm, I'm worried sick about him. And she was freaked out. So he had a, a work boat, about a 16-foot work boat, that pushed a barge that was probably um, from, from here, like the size of this room from here was the size of the barge. The boat was about 16 feet long. It would, it would, it would push this boat. had a big crane on it to help put the big, the big posts down in the water. I'd use the, the right terms, but you'll have no clue what I'm saying. Um, so he put the posts down in the water and helped help, help to beat this down. So she said, you've got to go out. And we had a ski boat, like a, like a beat up ski boat we would just tear up all the time uh, and, and go find him because I haven't been in touch with him in like two hours and something's wrong. So I've got my friend Gary and Mike Bowers are with me. We don't call their parents to tell them what we're doing. We're just like, we got to go save my dad. Okay, so we jump in the boat, and this storm is like, we're in like an 18-foot boat, and it is is so bad, I'm having to drive the boat, and I can't see anything in front of me. I can look out the side here and make out land, and I know where the docks are, because I've been in the boat a lot, so I can sort of feel that way, but in front of me, Nothing. It's like wind, storm, beaten down. So it had a top on it, like a like a like a half top that you could unzip, like one middle part. And so my friend uh, uh, Mike stood up, and he's being beat to death, staring at getting. He can't see any better than I can. I don't know why we stuck him up there, but he was the guy that would let me know if there was a boat or a or a post, or a dock, or something in front of me, because we're going towards where we think my dad is. So, so it was like, we were scared to death, but it's, we're like, I'm going to save my dad. So it's one of those, those things. So we go, and we come around, and all of a sudden, lightning starts to hit everywhere, okay? I don't know about you, I have heard lightning and water are bad combination. I don't know if you've heard that, but write that down, please. Uh, and, it, and so I am terrified. We're in this boat trying to find them. We get to the Buckman Bridge, which is about eight miles from my mom and dad's dock. We, we get there, and we make out this, this, this shape looming towards us. And, and, it's, uh, and as we come closer, winds beating, can barely see anything. My dad's just sitting there, just driving the barge like it's no big deal, no big deal, you know, just, just, and he's like, what are y'all doing out there? And I'm like, we're saving you. And he's like, go home. (laughs) Yes, sir. Lightning dancing all around this big crane. Dad just driving the barge, just driving the barge, just, just cool. He was cool. I think he had been in that stuff before. I had not scared me to death. Seas can scare you like nobody's business how big because the waves we had this 20-foot boat and and we were going down and waves just crashing over the bow it felt like it was one of those 
our finest hour type of thing. It was crazy. We survived, as you can tell. We lost that one guy who stood up, but that's okay. No, I'm kidding. No, we got everybody. So that's to me, is what a bad storm experience is. Now, look at this text again on what it says about this storm. They haven't seen the sun or stars for days. That's a bad storm. When you can't tell if it's day or night and you can't see sun or... I mean, when the hurricanes have sort of come close to here and the, as big as those, those are, it's been about maybe a day and a half where it's been sort of gray outside. And then once it's passed, I mean, there's bl- blue sky within an, an hour of the 60-mile-an-hour winds. It's so, so it's blown on through here. So we don't even understand. Um, they've thrown their supplies overboard to help the boat to float. And in verse 20, don't miss this, because Luke, Luke is on this boat, right? We, we, we know that Luke is on the boat. And it says in verse 20, all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. That's what Luke is saying. Dude, it was over. There was, hope was all gone. There was no chance for us. It was that type of a storm. So the, the question, the first thing I asked when I look at this text, what gives Paul the courage that he has in the storm? Because Paul stands up and he's like, dummies, I told you so. And then he says this, and this is what gives Paul courage. And I, I want you to hear it because I think you can relate to this a lot more if you just think about it for a second. He says in verse 23, for this very night there stood before me an Angel of the God to whom I belong. What gave Paul Paul courage? The presence of God gave Paul courage. The fact that he said, hey, God, God told me. He stood before me. An angel of God said, this is going to occur. Now, how does that affect you or me right now? Can I tell you, I've been a believer. I don't know why I looked at my watch. My watch really doesn't help me. I've been a believer in Jesus Christ for almost 30 years, 30 years. And the first time I experienced the presence of God, not the only time, but the first time was when I was 16 at a youth camp. And I understood what my sin was and how that kept me from God. And but that God had made a way that God, despite of who I was and what I had done, God still pursued me. He loved me. He, he fought for me. At that moment, my life is changed t- today, even as I live this hour, the next hour, it's been changed. Why? Because the presence of God. I have courage to do things I would never have done. Why? Because the presence of God. If, if, if I never felt it from that day on, I think I would still lean back going, yeah, but you don't understand what he did. You don't understand how great and how awesome and how loving he is. Some of you, even at camp this year, I think for the first time, truly for your own, grabbed on and experienced the presence of God. And I hope that's, some, that's a, a, a thing that, that you take and go, and I, God, help me to ne- never let this go. When, when I start to fall, may this be just somehow thrown in my face. May I stand back up again. The, so Paul, how does Paul have courage? The presence of God gave him Courage. How do we have courage? The, the presence of God in our life gives us courage.
what else? Look at what else he says. For this very night there stood before me an angel of the, of the God to whom I belong. So many times Paul writes, I, Paul, a servant of the Lord Jesus, Jesus, Jesus Christ. I, Paul, a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. When he starts all these books in Philippians and Colossians and Galatians and Romans, he's, he's always talking about, what, who am I? I'm a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. But he also writes this in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and, 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 and 20. He says this, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the, of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you are bought with a price. So glorify God in your, your body. You know that you, you've been, if a, you're a believer in Jesus Christ. You've been bought with a price, such a great price. And that was the sacrifice that Jesus made on the, on the cross. You've been bought with a price, and we are to honor God with our body. We belong to God. But can I tell you this? You don't belong as a slave. And, and we could, and in many ways we should. In Galatians 4, it says this. It says he adopts us as sons and daughters. This is what it says. In the same way, we, we also, when, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. We were enslaved to sin. That's, that's what that is. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were also who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave to sin, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. And Paul knew this, and he said, that it, hey, the angel of the Lord stood before me, of the God to whom I belong. Don't forget who you belong to. And in this world, and it's a metaphor, but, but, but st- storms hit, and they get so bad where we can't even see straight, and we've got a friend trying to see straight for us, and they can't even quite see it clear which way to go. I mean, storms get bad. Don't forget who you belong to. And not as a slave, but a son and daughter. The best news ever. How did Paul have courage? That's how he, he, he had courage. How should we have courage? Because he bought us with a price. He pursues us. He loves us uh, with a love we don't deserve. Then it says this, For this very night there stood before me an angel of the, of the God to whom I belong and whom I worship. Third thing that gave Paul courage here in this text Serving God gave him courage. You say, well, I don't see serving in there at all. If you look, uh, the ESV is what I've read from the uh, Bible. It uses the term whom I worship. The actual, the true saying is who I divinely serve. So you could put whom I divinely serve. And the truth is we think worship is when we, what we did uh, the first half tonight in the edge. We, We sing songs to God. That's worship. But a greater part of worship, that's a part of it, but a greater part of it is who we divinely, when we serve God with our lives, we are worshiping Him. It doesn't just stop when the the singing stops. It really starts when the singing stops. When we're sitting around and we're with our friends and we're talking about what God has done and we're asking for 
forgiveness when we're trying to walk in his ways. Um, serving God gave him courage. Should give us courage. The fourth thing, for, for this very night there stood before me an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. Caesar. Um, God tells Paul, hey, Paul, don't be afraid. Why? Because you're going to stand before Caesar. And for you to stand before him, one thing you've got to be by the time you get there is alive. Because if you're not alive, you probably won't be standing before him. Some of you are going, I saw the weekend at Bernie's, and there was this, that doesn't count. That's not real. So the fourth thing that gave him courage is God's faithfulness gave him courage. That he knew that God, what God said he would do, that God was going to do. And if you read his word, God's faithful over and over and over again. Um, it's interesting. Don't, 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 don't forget this. Paul was doing what he was supposed to be doing, right? He was going to Rome like God had sent him. And he's on this ship, and he's even trying to steer, the, get the guys on the ship to do the right thing. They choose the wrong thing. And he gets in the storm, and everybody is freaking out, and it's just been bad. I mean, if you're, uh, and it, it, the, the text writes really that they, they were so seasick from the ship rocking back and forth that they hadn't eaten for days, not because they didn't want to eat, but they couldn't because they couldn't get any food down because they felt so sick because of the bathe. So it was, it, was, it was just a bad day. But, you know, I was reading a com- commentary, and it, it, it had this, those who claim that all who follow Christ will always have smooth, sailing or misunderstanding and misrepresenting the word of God. There's a guy named F.B. Meyer. I think I've got the quote there uh, that, 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 that said this. If I'm told that I'm to take a journey that is a dangerous trip, every jolt along the way will remind me that I'm on the right road. Sometimes we think, man, this Christian thing isn't working out because it's, it's not fair. The things I was wanting to do, God, I was going to live for you, but, but, but this, I, I can't do what I was wanting to do. It's just, and we, we sort of give up. And those jolts might be the very thing that God's saying, hey, I pushed you that way because I've got a plan for others to be reached because of the sacrifices that you make for the fight that you give for what, what you've had to fight through. Um, so that's scene two. That's the storm, and we all have the storm. Some, some go, you know, if you read Acts 27, it's really, it could be an allegory of the Christian life. That, we, that we, we do what we're supposed to be doing, and storms are going t- to come. And sometimes with those storms, shipwrecks will come. Uh, not just a, a bad time, but it can feel like uh, it's, it's all is going to be lost uh, or all has been lost. Uh, even when you're, you're, you're doing the right thing. And this cr- Christian thing sound great. Aren't you like, yes, Charlie, this isn't like the best... Uh, Anyways, um, so scene three, we have the, sh- the shipwreck, verse 27, uh, verses 39 through 44. Do I have those, the, that text? Let's just sort of read, read, read through now. Now when it was day, uh, they did not r- recognize the land, but they, they, they did notice a bay with a beach on which they planned, if possible, to run the ship ashore. So they cast off the anchors and left, it, left them in the sea at the same time loosening the ropes they tied the uh, rudders then hoisting the foresail to the wind that they made for for the beach 
but striking a reef, something else bad occurs, striking a reef, they ran the vessel aground. The bow was stuck and remained immovable, and the stern was being broken up by the surf. The soldier's plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any should swim away and escape. But the centurion, wishing to save Paul, kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and make for the land, and the rest on planks or on pieces of the ship. So, hey, if you can swim, go for it. The rest of you, grab something and hope you make it. I mean, that's sort of what what he said. Uh, And it says this, and so it was that all were brought safely to land. The thing that, that Paul said that the angel of the Lord said to him, hey, that, that take heart that you will all be saved. We see it comes true here in this last verse in verse 44. Uh, I mentioned before that, um, that my, um, my dad built docks. And so when I was 11 or 12, uh, and I need you to get a good feeling of what 11 or 12 Dan, Joseph, Hey, I love you, son. Stand up for me for a second. Okay, that's how big I was. Okay, good job, Joseph. Great job. Sit down. Oh, no, I'm not asking you to. Um, uh, so, um, so I was Joe's age, 11 or 12, uh, about his same size. My sister and I were take t- 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 taking the same barge about this big. It was the same boat my dad drove, and it had two ropes. That, so the barge pushed up in this one slot and it had two ropes that sort of tied to it and that's how we pushed it. And we had to do it from the Buckman Bridge-ish to our house in Julian Jul- 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 Creek, which is, it's, it's not a sight drive. It's, uh, it's a, you got to go around a curve and uh, it's probably uh, like a, an, an hour f- f- 15 drive in the boat with a barge pushing it. We're, we're going and a storm came up when we were, were doing this, I'm 11 or 12. My sister is 14-ish and mean as a snake. I love her now, but she's mean. Uh, and so we're, we're going, and we get around the bend where we can see my dad's dock, our dock, but it's pretty far. It's, it's still a ways off. And all of a sudden, a rope snaps on the barge. Now, this is a big barge. It has a lot of weight to it, and it starts to, 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 to drift, and we can't control control it. We only have one rope attached, and so the boat's being dragged, and so it's going towards these docks, and this barge is going to, like, like take out docks, and that's not good for my rear end if it takes out docks. You know what I'm saying? Okay, so, so uh, it's not our fault, but it's sort of what's occurred, and so we, my sister, loving me so much, she says, hey, jump out and hold the barge. I'm Joe's, Joe's size, about this tall, okay? And, uh, and so me being 11 or 12, no life vest or, not, or nothing. And this is like Julian Creek, alligator. And fe- I've skied there all my life, but there's just stuff. And when it's stormy, it's scary. Who wants to jump out into the water? I, I jump in. It's this deep, and I start sinking because it's, it's like thick muck muddy. And I'm getting to right here. And I'm, I've got my arms wrapped around this pole of the barge. And she unties the boat, and I'm holding on. And, and water is, like, hitting me in the face. And she, she, she says this, I'll be back. I'm going to get Dad. <laughs> I'm 11 and a half or 12. 
alone in the mouth of Julian Creek in the St. John, John's River, holding on to this barge sunk up to my neck. I know, I know. You should, you should meet her. Uh, anyways, no. Um, so I'm there, and I can see where the dock is, but it, must, it felt like it took 14 hours for her to get my dad to get back. It didn't take that long. And I remember sitting there and it's, do you ever, have you ever alone someplace? Maybe you're at home alone. It's nighttime. It's late. And you, you hear things. I mean, you're like, Whoa. I mean, I used to have to take out the trash that was down a long driveway and I would like, and I would, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I throw it at the end of the driveway. I'd turn around and it was like pitch black. We had no lights or anything. And I'd be like, woo, 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 woo. I mean, I would like fly. I would get into the house and go, hey, mom. You know, and you're trying to be cool. Like, yeah, it's no big deal. Well, where you're in a, a, a river sunk up to your knees in muck and water's around your mouth, multiply that times 218. Okay? It was scary. But I remember thinking there, and I'm, I was, I'm, I'm thinking this just hold on. Dad's coming. Just hold on a little. I remember just saying to me, just hold on. Dad's coming. And that's what I kept thinking. And man, when he came, it was like the heavens opened up and the angels were singing. It was the most incredible experience because the one person that could save me showed up. And he pulled me out of the water. Gave me a pat on the back, knocked out half the water I'd sucked in. I got the boat tied up in like eight, 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 eight seconds to the barge, and, and he got the barge back to dock and me still alive. But I, I really, yeah, thank you. And that's why I'm here today, because my dad pulled me out of the muck and mire. The truth is this don't miss this whole point of this text. You're sailing, doing everything you're supposed to be doing, and storms hit you from where you least expect it. And storms come in three ways. Let me let you know this. Three ways storms come because of choices that we make or sin in our life. That's one way storms come. That's really one of the main ways we really sort of see storms. Another way is others' choices that they make or sin in their life that we're close to can affect us. We may not even have to be close to them. It could be something they've done against you. But that will bring a storm into your life or a, or a shipwreck into your life. The, the, the third thing that will bring it, just life. Sometimes there, there's, no, there's nothing to blame. There's nothing you can po- point at. Life is just, sometimes it's just full of, it's just part of it's just a shipwreck. And you've just got to hold on because the, fa- the Father's coming. Some of you are in shipwrecks right now, and you just got you just got to hold on, and you got to fight through it. Do you hear what I'm saying? Does it make sense? In verse 25, I love what Paul says once he's he's told him about. I spoke to this angel of the Lord, and verse after that, verse 25, he says this. He says, "Take heart, men," and I'll add, "Take heart, men, women." Students, for I have faith in God that it will be done exactly as I have been told. Can I tell you all to take heart? Man, if you are in a storm, if you're in a, a wreck, 
take heart, for I have faith in God. Because this is what God says in his word. 1 Corinthians 5, 21, it says this, For our sake he made him, Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You think God wants you to become the righteousness of God? That's what he's, he's doing a work in you. In, in Philippians 1, 6, it says, he, Paul writes this. He says, I'm, I'm sure of this, that he who has begun a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. What God has started in you, that salvation work in you, that you go, man, I just don't know if I can make it. Man, just hold on. Hold on. Don't give up. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you so much uh, just for your word tonight, uh, your truth just for me and my own life. Uh, and uh, Lord, I ask that for every student, every adult, every young, young person that's in this room, God, I just ask um, that you will let them know how big and how real that you are. Uh, God, help, help us to uh, go where you, you tell us to go, even when it's hard. Uh, and when we get those jolts, Lord, may we not lose heart, but may we be remi- reminded that you, you call us to a life uh, that's tough. Uh, but it's, it's not for us. It's for our, our honor. It's for your, your, your honor, Lord. And when storms come, Lord, may we have, have, have courage. May we lean back to when you've, you have taught us, when you've, your word has spoken to us, when we have been changed. Uh, may we lean on, on, on those things that we reminded that we belong to you. And God, just help us to hold on. When things seem so dark, give us the courage. Uh, also, Lord, just to be your hands to the friends around us where it's dark for. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.